Hello, and welcome once again to the Banker podcast series, Banking Under Pressure. I'm David Robinson, online editor at The Banker, and today I'm speaking with Peter Bevan. Peter is the head of financial regulation at Linklater's law firm in London. Peter, welcome. Hi, David. Great to be here. Today, uh, we're looking at the UK's new financial services bill and what it means for banks. Now, Peter, you know more than anyone that financial regulation can be a knotty and complex uh, subject, particularly uh, when it's bound up with the knotty and complex uh, issue of Brexit. Um, The UK has made it clear that its post-Brexit regulation is set to diverge from that of the EU due to the scale and complexity of financial flows through London. But at the same time, the Bank of England has indicated it does not want to see lower regulatory standards after Brexit. Peter, let's frame our discussion on what are the big implications for banks, perhaps over the short term and medium term, and even the long term. So, Peter, what should banks be most concerned about from January the 1st next year? Yeah, David, well, thanks very much for you know, setting, framing the question in that way. You're quite right. We've got two very complex things which are colliding here. And leaving the EU poses, in a way, two problems and, and one opportunity for how the UK makes financial services regulation in the future. You know, the first problem, I guess, is that for many years, we've relied on EU policy making. The UK's played an important part in that, but nevertheless, now we need to find our own way of designing new regulation. And as you say, um, the government have said that they want to design that regulation in a way that is fit for purpose for the UK's particular circumstances. UK firms will want to see that that is the case and that we do have rules which are designed to suit our markets, particularly the wholesale markets of the city, which is a whole ecosystem that in a way is not replicated elsewhere in Europe. And so that's the first problem. Um, The second problem is that as we leave the EU, of course, we inherit a tangled mess of regulations and there's no single source of rules for firms to look at. So if I'm a bank now looking at the tangled mess of regulation from the EU, an overlay of UK rules which are being created to um, reincorporate those laws into the UK as we leave, I'm left with an enormous challenge of working out what is changing, what does it mean for my business, which of these things will I actually have to deal with and do something about. So that's a big problem for me as a firm. And then maybe the opportunity for the UK as a nation, having to use a phrase, taken back control, um, the government has said that we now get to regulate differently and regulate better, as you've said, David. So um, the question for firms is, you know, what does that look like, both in terms of regulators who are anxious to use new powers which are coming back to them for Brussels? How will they be supervised and overseen? Who's guarding the guardians? How do, how do banks as the regulated sector engage with them? How can we help shape Um, alongside, of course, other important stakeholders like consumers. How can we help shape what regulation looks like? Um, And in what ways are we going to diverge as between the UK and the EU? So bringing all of those things together into the context where you asked your question, David, uh, the Treasury has just set out its blueprint for how regulation should be made in the UK. We've seen the publication of a consultation paper from the Treasury. We now have the Financial Services Bill, which is addressing some important areas. Um, All of this is of considerable interest to banks in how they tackle this. And in a way, what we've just seen 
is the government firing the starting gun for a very busy period where rules are going to be changing. Uh, consultations on new rules are going to be coming out from the PRA, from the Bank of England, from the SBA, from the Treasury and the government itself. And banks will need to engage with all of that stuff in the short term. Really interesting. If this is not too simplistic a question, as we, we go into next year uh, with a new regulatory framework, where might advantages be for banks? And then, of course, where might disadvantages be from what we're doing now? Yeah. So some of the areas of ongoing regulatory change right now include uh, green finance and sustainable finance. That's been a very big policy objective area from the EU as well as from the UK. There are new UK, uh, EU rules which are coming into force actually as soon as March of next year. The UK will now have the opportunity to look at those rules and shape its own obligations in that area. So that's an important area for us. The second important area relates to fintech. So we've heard a lot about uh, financial technologies um, and the development of that in the UK. What we uh, have at the moment are new emerging, emerging technologies which try and fit into the straitjacket of existing regulatory frameworks that don't always fit. Uh, and so there's a great opportunity for the UK to look at creating a framework for that which makes sense. And then maybe the third thing I would say are those things which have been fit, um, mentioned in particular in this financial services bill that's just been published. So the orderly transition away from the LIBOR benchmark regime. We're right in the midst of that at the moment. Uh, the FDA have been given some important new powers in that area. And the prudential regulation of investment firms is in the bill. Um, so we're expecting to see, um, again, some important new rules from the FDA in that area. And the other thing which appears in the bill, um, also relating to prudential standards, is uh, implementation of the latest round of the Basel rules for banks. So we're going to see some important changes in all of those areas. And then finally, overseas investment funds. So there's also provisions in the bill which are aimed at uh, uh, the overseas investment fund market and distributing those products in the UK. So there's a number already of areas where we're seeing some changes and potential, I suppose, therefore, for divergence between the UK and the EU. Now, from a, from a bank's point of view, when you're looking at divergence between the UK and the EU, um, it'll also be important to bear in mind, I guess, a couple of things. The first is the knotty question of equivalence. So as you mentioned, all of this is bound up with the context of Brexit um, and the desire to continue as far as possible accessing the European markets from the UK. Um, there'll be a desire, therefore, not to make changes in the UK which might jeopardise those um, equivalence decisions. So that's one point. And then the second is complexity. So complexity of regulation can often be a barrier to entry. Um, and so whilst the UK will want to um, make these regulatory changes in a way which um, suits the UK's distinctive markets, we nevertheless won't want our rules to be so different to those in other places that that actually creates a barrier to doing business here um, or makes it more costly and difficult for firms to operate uh, across our jurisdiction and others. So all of those things are things which we would like to see uh, the regulator uh, taking account of. Now, um, I mentioned that the FCA has a number of important rulemaking powers here, and they do. Uh, so how are they going to be held to account in that? One of the things which the consultation paper floats, um, and which we've mentioned in earlier reports, which we have written, um, 
is whether the FCA should be required, for instance, in its rulemaking, to take into account the competitiveness of the UK um, when considered against other markets. That's something which uh, existed for a forerunner regulator many years ago, hasn't been in our legislation uh, for over a decade now. Um, is it time for that to return? That's the, that's the question which is being posed right now. A number of surveys have been done recently on what are bank executives' big concerns right now. And of course, there are many. One is digital transformation, new technologies, and staying on top of that. Might there be any uh, regulatory changes uh, when we leave the EU that might change how they look at that or things they need to be aware of in the ever-evolving world of fintech? Well, you mentioned digital transformation, and that has a couple of aspects. Of course, there are new financial products which are emerging all the time uh, and which people are wanting to trade or use. Um, but there's also the way in which technology is used simply as a means to delivery of um, you know, more traditional financial services, whether it's payments, uh, whether it's uh, execution or clearing of securities transactions, um, uh, or whether it's simply the way in which you run a bank. Uh, and that's an area where we've seen a lot of focus in, in the last year. Um, and actually, you could say in a way um, that the global pandemic we've been experiencing for the last six months has been uh, a major test case run outside of the laboratory on, um, on the operational resilience of banks. So we're certainly seeing a lot of focus, both from regulators, but also from banks themselves on their operational resilience, making sure that you're pulling together um, those developments in crypto, yes, thinking about your cyber security, thinking about the resilience of your systems, thinking about the resilience of your people, um, identifying those services which you provide, which are fundamental and core to your offering, and which you therefore need to be able to do on an ongoing basis. Um, and how you report all of that up to senior executives within the bank. So we're seeing a lot of focus in that area at the moment. And you mentioned, David, you know, the focus of senior managers in this area. That's something which is underscored by the senior manager regime that we have in the UK, which has been another of our successful exports, I suppose you could say. They're adopting similar rules in many jurisdictions around the world. It's been taken on in Australia and Hong Kong. It's coming in Ireland and Singapore. So many other countries are following the UK's lead on this. And we certainly found that that regime, coupled with this focus on resilience, has meant there's been you know, a lot more focus on governance within banks, the reporting of information to enable them to not only adapt to changes in business, but also adapt to changes in the environment in which they're operating and ensure that they remain a safe and resilient institution. Thank you very much for your time today. Really interesting and informative. Do keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast and follow our discussions at thebanker.com slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? 
Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.